That's right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Principles of Fitness podcast. My name is Cameron Harn, and on today's episode, we're going to take a dive into the field of cognitive performance and assessment. My next guest is a 20-year veteran to the industry. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Headstrong Performance. He is also an internationally acclaimed author and a good friend of mine. His name is Marcel Donna, and Marcel and I have known each other for a couple of years. I had the pleasure of going through his Headstrong Performance Assessment today, and he and I talk a little bit about the assessment, um, the method of it, and how his assessment shows where you could be lacking in certain areas of your cognitive performance and how to improve those things, which was a lot simpler than I thought it was going to be. Um, Just some changes in diet, exercise, meditation, and mindfulness uh, can significantly improve your cognitive function. It's some pretty interesting stuff. So I encourage you to listen. It is pretty embarrassing on my half because I am a pretty competitive person. I like to strive for excellence, and the results of this test were far from my standards. But you know what? It's not about the results. It's about the process, and it's about taking those results and applying the strategies that Marcel talks about to improve your performance and raise yourself to a higher standard. So please enjoy this conversation that I have with Marcel Donna. All right, Marcel, yeah. we're live right now, and uh, that was brutal. That last part of this group's <laughs> test was pretty brutal. Uh, can you tell yeah. me a little bit about what we just accomplished, what we just finished here? Yeah, so, uh, so, so Cameron, basically what you've just done is you've gone through uh, four different cognitive tests, um, even though they're grouped in two different type. So, uh, so the first one that you did is known as the trail making test, okay. uh, which is like a connect the dots game where you, where you just connect, uh, A's and letters and numbers, uh, in, in this, in this process. And what this actually does is it, it of course looks at your speed of navigation. Um, navigation is part of your uh, hippocampus. So your short-term memory processing, okay. but what it also does is it also memories, uh, measures your, uh, hippocampal function in short-term memory because you're going from numbers to letters. So as the numbers and letters get higher, uh, you have to remember where you were. So like, hey, I just I just did, you know, uh, number five. What's the, what's the letter, you know, the following letter? Oh, that's an yeah. E. Where is, and then where is that on the page? And so, so this test has been so heavily validated uh, that we can measure that against people in your age group. Okay. And uh, and so so we're just looking at the speed of processing, and we know that you know as people get older, um, that that can become a little bit more difficult, uh, as as well as people who are under a lot of stress, for example. Okay. Um, stress actually kills the cells in your hippocampus. That part that part of it's a very very delicate part of your your limbic brain. And, um, and so, so we can also kind of get a little bit of a feel of what the health is of your hippocampus and kind of allows us to start, you know, kind of developing a little bit of a picture of, Hey, how, how is that part of your brain actually really functioning? So, so that's the trail making test. And then the next test is, is known as the Stroop test Mm -hmm. and the Stroop test, which was, you know, developed in 1937 and it's been been validated thousands and thousands of times and and really what the test does is it looks at of course also you know speed of processing um, you know you you were asked to read a number of columns of uh, first we started with color words so the word red brown green purple orange those kind of words and just printed in black and white 
And so you were asked to just read those as fast as possible. And that's just a, a speed of reading test. There's nothing really um, indicative of that other than, hey, you can read faster, <laughs> you know, or you, or you can't. But it's important for us to know, right? Kind the of the control test. test. That's right. That's kind of a control. Number one, we know that you can read, which is great, uh, you know, and, uh, and then on top of that, we also uh, kind of know just because it's so heavily validated what somebody in your age group should, you know, the speed at which they should be able to um, kind of read. Okay. Right? And then, uh, then the, the next one is uh, one where we did exactly the same, but then with just colors. So yeah. we looked at yeah. just colors of columns. Uh, the, the color brown, color red, and stuff, and that was really to identify number one, of course, that you're not colorblind. It would be, you know, that's that's the one um, kind of kind of challenge with this test. That if you're colorblind, colorblind, and it becomes a little bit more difficult. Yeah, very difficult. Uh, so, so we have to we have to assess that first that you can recognize those colors well, and the same with test it's been done with so many tens of thousands of people and different age groups and and different you know education levels and all of that kind of stuff that we're also able to measure that against people in your age group mm -hmm. and then the final one which is the hardest one was where the words were printed in a different color so the word brown was for example was printed in the color red for example or mm -hmm. you know uh, or orange is printed in the color blue and then what, what I asked you to do was to then say the um, the, the color in which the word was printed, not necessarily the word itself. So what that actually does is because, you're, because your brain has been conditioned, it's, it's developed a habit over you know, the decades that you've been on this planet, it's developed a habit of reading words, not necessarily reading the colors in which the words were printed. And um, and so when we ask you to do that, that creates conflict in your brain. Your your the basal ganglia, for example, in your in your you know the inner part of your brain in the limbic system drives a lot of this habit, and and it makes you want to do what you habitually do. And that prefrontal cortex, or then has to override that that habit, that behavioral habit, and uh, and make it do something else. And that can be a little bit uncomfortable for the brain. So I'm I'm. I'm I'm assuming it was it, you know it felt a little hard for you you said right when you oh, yeah. when you were doing it I could it. feel the conflict like occurring as I was going through this test That's right that's right. and and a number of times you had you had the uh, you actually said the the word in which it was printed and not yeah. necessarily the color so so I could sense that there was a lot of conflict going on in you that's fantastic because the truth is that's exactly the same neural pathway it's exactly the same conflict that one of your clients might have standing in front of the fridge one night you know having a serious case of the munchies and wanting to grab chocolate cake or cheesecake uh, you know because they have habitually done this for so many decades that like, oh man I'm feeling stressed I'm feeling exhausted I I just want to treat myself with a piece of chocolate cake mm -hmm. and of course their prefrontal cortex needs to be able to override that desire or that you know that urge or that impulse to to grab for a piece of chocolate cake and instead go for something healthier right so yeah. so that's a matter of that's a matter of you know we, we like to call it self-discipline and willpower and motivation whatever name we give it it really is the ability of the brain to override that impulse and, um, and of course, if we want our clients to be successful, we need to be able to measure how capable are their brains at overriding these type of impulses. There's, there's no amount of what we can say or trying to inspire our clients to try and be healthier if their brains don't have the capacity to override these impulses themselves. So, okay. uh, so, so a very important part of this assessment is really to kind of 
assess where is your brain at, right? You know, so uh, how how well can your brain override those those impulses? And the, those impulses, um, you know, come out in many other different behaviors as well. You know, in terms of you know, for example, behaving emotionally, losing our temper, getting you know, behaving frustrated. For example, when we get frustrated, or you know, yelling at our kids, for example, when they're misbehaving, and all of those kind of things are impulses that are driven from habits from our emotional centers in our brains and things like that. And it's really up to that prefrontal cortex to to override those kind of impulses if we want to make a change in our behaviors and do things differently and do things better. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very important test for us to really kind of assess and say, okay, how, how capable is your brain? There's no use telling a client that they're supposed to eat healthy if their brains aren't capable of overriding these old neural pathways that have been established for decades and the prefrontal cortex doesn't have the capacity to override those impulses. And that's a very, very important thing for us to know as trainers and coaches when we're actually dealing with our clients. So that's why, you know, the, I've, I've, I use these tests in combination with, um, you know, with your, with your questionnaire. All right. So, Marcel, let me ask you this, because I'm no neuroscientist or anything, but I I think uh, I've got a pretty good grasp on what you're saying. Is it the the limbic system or the limbic um, part of our brain? Is that what's causing us to have these more impulse um, issues? And then our prefrontal cortex is more of our our human brain, the decision-making brain that's trying to override that system? Well, exactly. I mean, I think uh, to, to just keep it in plain language, I think that's the that's the easy thing to do. Okay. If you if you think from an evolutionary standpoint um, of you know we have this very old uh, brain that's been with us for many millions of years, and that's mm-hmm. that's common in, in you know in all mammals as well, which is known as that limbic cortex. And the limbic cortex, um, you know, is is really responsible for a lot of our survival behaviors. You know, so that's where our emotions reside. That's where our, uh, you know, our passions, uh, motivations, all of these kind of things reside in there. Um, as as well as, of course, just how simple tasks of, you know, being able to, uh, you know, breathe and heart rates and you know, so very basic functions, our, our appetites are, you know, are, are also controlled in that center. Um, all of those things are really in that, in that limbic cortex. So real basic survival behaviors, fight and flight response, for example, also comes from that, that area okay. as where, you know, a much newer part of the brain is the neocortex, right? Which is, which is kind of wrapped around. So I always like to say, if you make a fist, right, if you make a fist, then that fist would be your limbic system. And if you wrap the other hand over that fist, you know, kind of like how, how you know, when you see in Kung Fu movies, you know, when people are, are kind of, you know, greeting each other and you wrap that over, then, then that neocortex would be that hand that's wrapped over that limbic system. Okay. And interestingly speaking, even though that they're connected, uh, they are really, um, you know, and that they're supposed to work together. Um, a lot of our brains are driven by that limbic cortex, by a lot of our emotions. You know, that's why emotion drives behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the word emotion, for example, you know, 85% of the word emotion is dedicated to movement, emotion. Yeah. Right. So, so a lot of that's driven in there, and um, and the prefrontal cortex is really where our consciousness resides. That's where uh, you know we we rationalize and we we empathize and we strategize and we simulate you know things that could possibly happen in the future and consequences and all of these kind of things happen in that 
prefrontal cortex and of course also planning movement and planning exercise and you know and all doing things consciously is really what happens there and because this part of the brain is so much younger it's only been with us for you know possibly you know like a hundred thousand years or so mm-hmm. um so that limbic brain tends to be much stronger and a much stronger driver in many people rather than a prefrontal cortex and uh, and some some people have phenomenal prefrontal cortexes who who are really able to regulate those limbic behaviors you know i like to call them primal behaviors right you know uh, the the primal need to you know behave emotionally or or you know behave impulsively or getting behaving angry behaving frustrated you know kind of all of those kind of behaviors um, you know, the, the prefrontal cortex is that part of the brain that kind of kind of tries to regulate all of that and says, hey, you know what, at this moment in time, that's probably not an appropriate response. Uh, you know, you might want to hold back a little bit on that uh, on that outburst mm-hmm. uh, because that would, you know, that could po- potentially have negative consequences for you. Now, and in, in, in not everybody, that prefrontal cortex is equally effective. We know that the prefrontal frontal cortex is affected, for example, by the amount of glucose that resides in the prefrontal cortex. It's, you know, it needs energy okay. and its energy source is glucose. You know, majority of glucose that a person consumes in a day is actually consumed by the prefrontal cortex, much more so than the muscles and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's heavily reliant on, on energy. Oxygenation, same thing. Blood flow, of course, hydration, all of those kind of things. Make sure that that prefrontal cortex can you know, function in the best way possible. Also things like sleep, nutrition, uh, you know, um, stress, uh, all of the happiness, all of these kind of things really affect the effectiveness of that prefrontal cortex. And, um, and so what we're really trying to do here is to kind of say, okay, how, how effective is that prefrontal cortex in you? How capable is it of helping you get to where you want to be in life, where, regardless of where that is. This is, this is not just a fitness story. This is a life story. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the question that we want to ask is, is, hey, you know, where, where do you want to be in life? What, what are the things that you want to achieve? And in order for you to be successful at that, what is it that you're going to be requiring from your brain to be able to do that? And we need some form of measure. We need to be able to, you know, quantify where that capacity really is. Because if we're going to coach a client towards any type of change in behavior, we need to understand how 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 capable is that brain of really doing this? You know, just having the expectation that a person's going to be able to apply themselves, uh, you know, is unrealistic. And it's also not fair on the client because if the client's, uh, you know, kind of, if the client's not wired for success because their brain just isn't wired the right way, uh, you know, it, it can be, um, you know, it can be very challenging for the client, and they can they can walk around feeling extremely guilty, uh, you know, about uh, you know their their so-called lack of self-discipline and all of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And in reality, it's just a wiring issue, you know. And we and and what we want to do is we want to make sure that that wiring is optimal for our clients. That uh, you know that they that those brains are well taken care of, and that those brains are primed for success behaviors, right? So. 
So that's kind of why I developed the, the Headstrong Performance Coaching Model, which is, which is a very, very different from any other model in the world. And really and what I do is I look at a three-step process in terms of success behavior. And this is how I work with my clients. I've been, I've been doing this for years. Um, I've just, you know, just recently, though, just kind of come up way where I can actually help other coaches be successful with this as well. And uh, the three steps process is very simple. Um, if you if you look at you know the goal of a client, which at the end of the day is you know often to be successful at something. So so they're looking for certain success behaviors, okay. and those those success behaviors are going to determine where they're going to end up in life. You know whether it's losing weight, whether it's a, a career path, whether it's being a better parent. You know what whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And uh, but there are going to be a number of behaviors that they're going to have to apply in order for them to be successful at that. And so what I look at first in step one is is to say, okay, how capable is your brain of actually, you know, learning and applying those behaviors? Those are, you know, what what we in the coaching world we call them soft skills, right? So those are kind of the soft skill behaviors that that you're that you're going to be expecting to learn. But if your brain doesn't have the right wiring and it and it isn't primed to learn and it isn't primed to to adapt in the way that we would want it to, um, then when we try and keep demanding of it to do that, all we're going to do is create frustration and we're going to um, actually create a lot of anguish. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in in our clients and sometimes in ourselves too, because you know, I mean, we as we as trainers and coaches, we really want to help people. You know, and so so we need we need a certain tool to be able to say, hey, listen, I get it. You know, you 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 want to be there. You want to be able to lose weight. You want to do. You want you want to be able to go on a diet, and you want to do all of these kind of things. But if I look at your brain capacity, you know, you're not there. You know, you're you're. It's, that would be unfair of yourself to actually expect that of yourself. You know. Yeah. What if we What if we start in a more basic level? Let's start with wiring your brain and preparing your brain. Right. So building the capacity in your brain so that we can use that capacity as you build it to then be able to start applying these kind of behaviors on yourself. So, right. Marcel, so, yeah. how yeah. does a client react to that when you show them like your brain is not there currently, but we can get you there? How do um, how do how have your clients reacted to something like that? Well, gen- generally speaking, they're very relieved. Really? And the, okay. The, yeah, and and the reason is is because they they often blame themselves for their failures, yeah. right? And there's there's no, um, you know, there's no marker. There's no there there's nothing out there that kind of says, hey, listen, it's not you. It's the it's basically just the way your brain is primed right now. You know, and 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 we can fix that. And and fixing it is actually really easy, right? It's just it's just a matter of um, you know changing some of our lifestyle behaviors, some really simple things. Very often, um, that actually helps that brain kind of rewire itself. And uh, and then all of a sudden, as they start kind of applying these you know simple lifestyle behaviors, they they start gaining capacity they start and when they when they have that capacity they start seeing things differently because they have the capacity to do so and as coaches we use that gain in capacity to help them learn to regulate themselves and manage themselves and that's that's an emotional awareness piece so that's step two is really okay. shifting mindsets and that's there it's all built around emotional awareness about um, understanding how your brain is feeling how, understanding what's actually going on in your brain at that moment in time when you're looking at that chocolate cake and you have this urge 
what is actually happening here? And for the client to understand that mechanism and that relationship between that limbic system and the prefrontal cortex is really important because as they then stand in front of that fridge, they're going to go, huh, this is exactly that conversation, you know, that my coach was talking to me about that's happening here. This is it. And I wonder if I now have the ability to override that impulse. Am I going to say no to that piece of chocolate cake or am I going to say yes to it, right? And so that, that allows them to pause for just a minute and to have a very constructive conversation within themselves. And that allows them to regulate a lot of these behaviors. And of course, with one win over the next, right, with one small accomplishment over the next, they start building confidence in the fact that, hey, I can do this. I can be healthier. I can be fitter. I can be stronger. I can be whatever it is that I'm that I'm going after in life. I can achieve this. And that's the type of mindset that we want. We want an I can mindset. We don't want an I can't. We don't want an, a mindset that's full of, you know, potential excuses, even though, you know, we, we call them excuses, but our clients call them very valid reasons why they're not being <laughs> yeah. successful. And, and, and what we want in our clients is we want them thinking differently. We want, we want them focusing on what can I do, not what can't I do, mm -hmm. right? And so, so this is part of that process of really helping that brain kind of understand, hey, I, there's so much that I can do and there's so much that I can accomplish. And as that confidence level then starts to rise, then we start using that towards the success behaviors that they're then looking at. And that's then step three in terms of, you know, wherever they want to go in their goals. So, so it's a, it's a slightly different uh, process than you'll see in any other coaching system. But at the same time, it's tremendously effective um, because it, it removes blame, it, re it, it, it removes shame, you know, and it gives people something constructive to work on, which is, which is essential. Um, and so then now all of a sudden they say, hey, listen, I'm working on training my brain. I'm priming my brain for success before I do anything else. And, and what's interesting for the fitness industry is that a lot of those um, behaviors required to prime the brain are really fitness and health oriented behaviors. Really? So this, yeah, so this is a very, this is a perfect fit for the fitness trainer because now the fit fitness trainer can say, hey, I'm going to use the personal training that I do, I'm going to use you know, nutrition advice and all of these kind of things to really help my client build their brain first, mm -hmm. right? Before we even worry about what their waistline looks like. You know, and uh, and that's that creates a very uh, number one. It's 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 a it's a very different avenue because now all of a sudden the what it does is it also opens up a pathway for fitness trainers to really start focusing on healing and 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 building the whole person, not just looking at how a person is functioning from a mechanical standpoint or or looking at building the physique of a human being. You know, there's a I believe there's a huge population of trainers out there that have a genuine desire to help people become better versions of themselves Absolutely. in all aspects of their lives, not just losing weight, not just getting a tighter butt or doing something like that, <laughs> but really say, hey, I as a trainer can make a significant impact on you as a human being and help make your life a lot better. 
And, um, and the, the beauty of this system, this coaching system is it does exactly that because I'm that type of coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I've always been that way, you know, ever, and I've been in this industry for, you know, almost 30 years and, uh, and I've always looked at how can I make an impact on a person's life outside the gym, not inside the gym. You know, the stuff, the stuff we do with our clients during sessions means nothing compared to the stuff that they're doing between sessions. Yep. And, uh, and we want to, we want to, as coaches, we want to be able to influence in a positive way. We want to be able to influence what they're doing between sessions and how they're living their lives and how happy they are and, you know, and all of those kind of things. And, and so, so in a way, it also provides us with an avenue to kind of transform or transcend a little bit from just being a physical coach to being more of a life and happiness coach, you know, which is, which I think is where we can do a tremendous amount of good as fitness professionals because we're already covering like 80 or 90 percent of it we just we just need to connect the dots with our clients and help them understand how this um you know plays a huge part in them having better lives not just you know having better bodies and uh and so so that's that's the reason why i developed the coaching system many years ago i've been doing you know I've, i've been coaching this way probably since 2009 so it's a good seven years oh, yeah. um and the assessment that that we just we just ran through together and I'll, I'll run you through it as we're as we go but the assessment that we did has been five years in the making uh you know and it's you know to create to create a when i first started with you know kind of measuring capacity and um and you know kind of putting all of these factors together it was a tremendously intensive task of running a person through it was like rocket science you know taking a client through uh this process i i actually feel sorry for a lot of my clients that i you know i took them <laughs> through those assessments um but we've 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 been able to um quantify a lot of the behaviors and a lot of the you know kind of symptoms that you know that they might be experiencing but we've also been able to um i think accurately uh you know kind of combine all of these factors together in one simple assessment that 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 gives a one page overview of you know kind of number one of course how how well is their brain primed for for success but also uh you know and, and we do that in, in in terms of brain age so so we we let we we let we take a person through their brain testing and then we say okay your brain is now functioning at that age mm-hmm. rather than at your own age um and then we link that with their health behaviors and that's based on a questionnaire that you filled out today uh right you know which is an online questionnaire it's very very simple and how, how long did it take you by the way to fill out the questionnaire uh, probably less than 20 minutes yeah, perfect. So it's a good, you know, 20, 20 minute assessment. It takes a little longer if you're a deep thinker and you're, you know, you really want to think actively about every question that's asked you. Oh, um, I know myself yeah. pretty well, so yeah, I, could, yeah, I flew yeah. through it. Yeah, perfect. And so, so you went through that, uh, that in about, uh, in about 20 minutes. What was, what was some of your impressions that you, that you went through it? Was it, was there anything that came to mind? You know, there was a couple things about, um, you know, do you remember where your keys are like on huh? memory, short term memory primarily? And then uh-huh. um, I think uh, some things there are a little a, a couple things like impulse control um, <laughs> that kind of made me think. And you see, you can see how like I'm probably not getting enough sleep right now because I can't remember. You know, we've got a, a newborn baby girl here. So, you know, my brain capacity is not to its optimal potential right now. But 
mostly that and uh just taking i think taking better care of my uh my health so focusing on the nutrition or looking at my nutrition and how well mm-hmm. i'm taking care of that uh hydration and uh i mean i think i've been trying to you know i want to get to myself to a, a certain level of success like you said and mm-hmm. to do that i think i've been cutting back on sleep but in some mm-hmm. areas i'm noticing wait i'm not as focused i'm not as um you know, I don't remember as well. And I think my cognitive function mm-hmm. has kind of declined a little bit because I'm trying mm-hmm. to, you know, sacrifice one thing for the benefit of another. Um, exactly. How does it, how does it find, I, I, I know, cause you know, I've, I've known you for many years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know you're a pretty kind of relaxed guy, uh, but, but, you know, kind of talk about how, uh, for example, that, you know, lack of sleep, which I totally understand my, mm-hmm. my, 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 even though my daughter's, you know, 17 going on to 18, I, I still have sleepless nights. So I totally, <laughs> I, I, I totally, I don't think that ever changes. Uh, but, um, but, but how, how has that, for example, affected your, um, for example, patience levels or, you know, do you, do you sometimes feel the urges of frustration coming up where you normally wouldn't because that's, you know, those kind of things. Have you, have you noticed that in yourself just because of that lack of sleep? Uh, frustration levels, it, I would say, haven't changed too much. My patience, I've got a, I've got a pretty long fuse, so I'd say my huh. patience hasn't changed too much. I mean, maybe from the norm it's slightly affected. Um, but I think just my ability to remember and Mm -hmm. my decision-making ability is Uh greatly compromised from my lack of sleep. And, uh, and you know, in the last week too, there was a section in there about, uh, have you been moving in the last few days? How much exercise have Mm -hmm. you gotten? Um, Mm -hmm. cardio and then resistance training and something as a yoga and stuff. And the Uh last seven days, um, I mean, I'm going to get going to get a little personal here. I had a vasectomy about a week ago and I haven't uh, been moving at all, like nothing. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, yeah. that is the biggest thing for me, because when I stop exercising, I'm just all over the place. I can't focus. I'm emotional. It's just it's a hot yeah. mess for me. Yeah. And it's, and it's quite interesting how that happens. Right. Because um, uh, it, it's un- unfortunately for us, it's also really immediate. Uh, especially for a guy like you, who who is actually the opposite, right? Because you're you're because you're a fitness guy. Um, you know, y- your habit is to exercise and take care of yourself and to mm-hmm. do all of those kind of things. So so when you actually break your habit in the opposite way, which is you know, of course, we want people exercising, but in your case, you have to then stop exercising. How that and 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 you know that effect is within just a few days, you're already going to start feeling these effects, you know, in in your own brain. Right, just simply because you're not moving the same amount as you were before, right? You know, it's it's quite it's quite dramatic, isn't it? Yeah, you know, actually, I think anxiety is another one that I feel. I feel more mm-hmm. anxious. Um, mm-hmm. Like even just sitting here right now, I feel like uh, my body's just like it's churning right now. Like I need to do something. Um, yeah. And my nutrition decisions were uh-huh. compl- declined completely. I mean, it was like I was eating. I was eating way different from what I'm used to eating. I mean, you know, good amounts of vegetables, lean proteins, healthy fats, and I went to like the complete opposite: high carb, you know, greasy. It was just, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. It's, and and it's interesting how that works, isn't it? Is when when you remove one habit, right? Which is in this case a constructive habit, right? Mm-hmm. The exercising, taking you know, taking care of yourself. How that actually disrupts that wiring in your brain, and 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 then actually drives you to to do 
other things that you otherwise would never do, mm-hmm. right? You know, so and that's that's a disruption in in your in your own brain, right? So uh, and if if that lasts long enough, unfortunately, that's going to become a new habit, you know. And so uh, so 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 you would end up then struggling going the other way around because your brain is always adapting, yeah. You know, and that's really that's basically just what it's doing. It's just adapting to your lifestyle choices, and uh, and so so you know, right now, of course, what you what you'd want to try and do is to try and say, okay. How can we, how can we turn that disruption around, right? You know, how can we turn that disruption into something constructive, right? So, so if you if you're thinking about, for example, you know, you you, you took the 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 option of not exercising at all, right? Which is you say, hey, listen, I can't I can't do my regular workouts, right? So uh, so therefore I'm not going to exercise, and then that creates then that disruption and everything yeah. else in your brain. So something to think about, for example, is what what would be an option where you could, um, you know, possibly, let's say, you know, th- this would be advice for another client. Let's say you have a client who has a vasectomy and said, oh, man, you know, doctor's telling me not to exercise, blah, 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 all of this kind yeah. of stuff. You know, um, what would be what would maybe be a better piece of advice instead of saying don't do anything at all. Right. What would be a great, you know, different approach? Uh, minimal movement, like just get up and walk or something. Uh-huh. You know, I wish, because uh, I felt okay enough to walk, but I just didn't uh-huh. want to push it. But I think if I could have just, you know, get up and move around the house a little bit, because um, movement is life. I mean, I want to get the blood to circulate and to help with my recovery, but I was apprehensive at the risk of hurting myself further or, you know, doing some damage to myself. Um, exactly. Maybe keeping in mind of like, you know, if I can't move, um, eating well and eating foods that aren't going to cause inflammation would have been, you know, a good point of advice too. Um, yeah. and I went the complete opposite way and probably ate things yeah. that caused a lot more inflammation and probably delayed my healing process. Um, yeah. During that yeah. recovery. Ex- exactly. And think about, you know, because this is about, you know, kind of focusing on the dialogue of what you can do versus what you can't do. And, yeah. and very often in our clients as well, what we can't do is often fueled by fear, mm-hmm. right? You know, just as, just as, as the emotion that was driving you to not exercise was really the emotion of fear, right? And, uh, and, and fear drives anxiety, yes. you know, so, uh, because you're thinking of the potential negative consequences and therefore you're not doing something, which is actually a form of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at, at that moment in time, uh, what we want in our clients is to really kind of say, okay, this is, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is a sense of anxiety. What if I focus on what I can do, not what I can't do, right? So have a conversation with yourself about it. Say, say you know, can you use your arms? You know, can you do things with your arms? Can you stretch with your upper body? Can you do, uh, yeah. you know, is that, right? Are, are there certain things that I can do? rather than what I can't do and and then you know kind of change that dialogue around from there and those are those are what we call success behaviors okay you know and and so it's it's that would be a great dialogue out of this um, uh, you know kind of out of this assessment this would be a fantastic dialogue to actually start that coaching journey with a client to really kind of help them on that right path forward um, as they start identifying that their cognitive capacity is declining Okay. Right. So, so uh, yeah. If I may, um, because you bring up a good point that I could have done anything, right? I could have uh-huh. done some light stretching, done some you know little upper body movements and stuff. Uh, uh-huh. But I'm a I'm a, like a go hard or go home type of guy. Like I'm uh-huh. gonna go. I want to crush myself, or I'm not even gonna work out at all. So yeah. with clients that have that type of mentality, how do you 
encourage them to even just move or stretch a little bit and let them know that they're going to have some benefit from it? Well, it's it's uh, especially in terms of, uh, you know, all or nothing people. And this is often a sign of a high performer. Right. So so a lot of, you know, I, I work a lot with with, you know, senior executives, mm-hmm. type type A personalities. And, you know, and a lot of these people are you know, kind of like, you know, all or nothing type people. And uh, and actually the, the problem with that is that we then also tend to use that all or nothing attitude with many other aspects of our lives in terms of how we're saving money, how yep. we're, you know, how we're, um, you know, kind of a- approaching our, our careers. Uh, you know, uh, we, we, we often look at things um, and say, hey, this is not worth approaching or this is not worth doing because the because it's not an all or nothing type thing the rewards are not going to be big enough it's not going to be you know all of that kind of stuff so um, so are those are those types of attitudes that sound familiar to you as well in other aspects of your life outside of exercise absolutely yeah okay so so think about this right what if what if you learned to take small steps rather than big ones giant ones okay right and and learn to approach those steps with um, appreciation, right, rather than with judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you think you'd get further than where you are right now? Yeah, because there's areas of my, I mean, there's gaps in my myself that I would be able to fill because it's like my wife even says I don't have a medium. It's uh-huh. all go or no go. Yeah. And yeah, if exactly. I were to be able to find that medium to, you know, get in that zone, I think, uh, yeah, I could see some bigger improvements in what I'm trying to accomplish in my life currently. Yeah. Now, think think about this. And this is why the Headstrong Performance Coaching System is so powerful, because now what we're going to do is we can take that attitude towards exercise, the all or nothing attitude in this case, and we can use that as a simulator to learn the habits, to learn the behaviors that you're also going to start learning to apply in other aspects of your life, mm-hmm. right? So, so what if you actually learned how to appreciate uh, taking, you know, having smaller workouts and shorter workouts and, you know, uh, and sometimes doing the, you know, it's, 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 you know, rather something than nothing type, you know, kind of approach um, and, and approaching each step forward, um, you know, with, with celebration rather than with judgment. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, no matter how small that step is, it's still a step forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, rather than, rather than just saying, Hey, but listen, you know, the, the, the world champion, you know, the, the world record, you know, far jump is, you know, eight point something meters. If I take a one meter step, it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, then, then really what you're doing is you're coming from a place of self judgment. Yeah. You know, And uh, and so what we want to do is we want to remove that form of self-judgment. And that's really that second step in um, in in that headstrong performance coaching model about emotional awareness, about understanding what those thought patterns are. They don't. And the way that your brain is wired, your brain is not only wired to do that while you exercise, it is wired to do that in all aspects of your life. So so you can use exercise as a coach. You could use exercise with your client to learn this habit, to learn this new behavior of actually appreciating doing easier workouts, shorter workouts, the, I, you know, focus on what you can do workouts rather than kind of saying, well, if I can't do it, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Right. 
you know, and then using that as a simulator, just like pilots have to go into a flight simulator and, you know, and practice, you know, kind of maneuvers and behaviors every day, uh, you know, that they might be, you know, kind of approaching in the air. Um, we have to have a simulator to help our clients practice their behaviors as well. And what better place to do that? What better place to simulate behavior than in the gym? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You know, so so all of a sudden what you're doing as a coach, you're creating a simulator to actually help your client learn other behaviors, which which I think is is one of the most powerful things that we can do. Um, but not a lot of people are, are actually kind of kind of, you know, connecting the dots when it comes down to using our gym behavior as as a as a simulator for life behavior yeah. you know, and success behavior. You know, and uh, and and the Headstrong Performance Coaching System does that. It actually, you know, takes takes our the health behaviors, the things that we as as coaches have mastered many years ago, and we're actually then utilizing that not just on changing the physiques of our clients, but really changing their lives. And that that I think is really cool. Yeah, it's very cool. So you'd be able yeah. to let a let a empower a trainer essentially with the ability to guide a client to that next step, to that, um, uh, that area where they're going to be able to achieve their top performance or what, or what tools do the, does the, tra I think what I'm trying to say is what tools does the trainer have to show them or how do they show them, you know, this is what we need to do in order to provoke that behavior change. Well, it's uh, so. So number one, of course, is is the assessment. Yeah. Right. So so the assessment does a lot of that kind of stuff. So um, so it shows it shows your capacity, right, of the brain. You know, is it is it is it ready, right? You know, to to move in that right direction. Then, of course, your next step is to build capacity. Okay. The tools for that are very simple. It's uh, it's the the Headstrong Performance Book. Right, you know, which is which is on uh, available on Amazon and all of that kind of stuff. It's a published book. Okay. Uh, then, um, and of course, the Headstrong Performance app, uh, which which clients can use. It's they download. It's free. Uh, you know, so you can go to the App Store and just download the Headstrong Performance app. Um, in the app, it's um, it's it's basically an eight-minute brain capacity exercise. You're priming your brain for success in eight minutes. It's six minutes of physical exercise, um, training three different mental states, which is willpower, focus, and memory. Mm -hmm. And um, and there's brain training in there. So actually, uh, uh, one of the tests that you actually just did with me, um, there's an there's a non-validated one in there, the Stroop test. So you can you can practice that. So what you do is you do six minutes of exercise, followed immediately by one minute of brain training, followed immediately after that with one minute of mindfulness meditation, and uh, okay. um, and so so research one minute showing, of meditation. That was it. One one minute of meditation. That's that's all you need. No so, way. So. Yeah. So what I've what I've actually done is um, I've taken the minimal amounts of each uh, kind of component. We all know that you know there are brain training games and all of that kind of stuff out there. There are also you know great exercise you know videos, seven minute workouts, and all of these kind of things is all you know it's all out there. Of course, there are great you know yoga apps and 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 videos and you know and and meditation apps and stuff like that. There are tons of them out there. And basically, what I've done is I've looked at the research and kind of said, hey, listen, what's the minimum minimal amount you need to do to create a difference in your brain. And the interesting thing for exercise, it's six minutes wow. for, um, yeah, for, for six minutes already starts rewiring your brain. You do not need to work out for an hour to change your brain. No Just way. six minutes of exercise. Yeah. One minute of brain training 
and then one minute of mindfulness meditation. Do those three in a row. It creates a phenomenal experience, you know. So, so that's what the what the Headstrong Performance app does. So, our clients, for example, would use that between our sessions. Okay. So, you know, like like I said before, the um, you know, the stuff we do during the sessions is not as important as the stuff they're doing on their own between sessions. So, we want to make sure that they're applying themselves in the best way possible uh, between sessions. The same thing counts with the book. The book is a roadmap to positive behavior change in terms of learning. The, the, the right type of behaviors for the right reasons. So it focuses on four care, key areas of performance success, which is number one, of course, stress management. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one is, is attention. Like what, what do you pay attention to and why? And the third is creativity in terms of being resourceful. And then the fourth, of course, is managing change, like change in terms of your own brain. There's a complete roadmap in there um, using the primal model of success, which is which is a model that I developed many years ago. And primal is, is basically the six characteristics of um, or the six behaviors that, that we need to exhibit every single day if we want to be successful. And those six are uh, it's an acronym, PRIMAL, and it st- stands for being purposeful, resourceful, industrious, being masterful, being accepting, and being liberated. And it's those six um, characteristics combined that when we utilize them properly in terms of what we want to achieve in life, um, it'll, it, it's a roadmap that will help us get there. So all of that's in the book. And so as a coach, uh, you know, when you've gone through that certification, the licensing um, program, you, you learn to coach your clients towards kind of what's in the book. So they read the book, they apply it, they try it, and they, you know, they figure these things out. Um, so that in, in combination with the app is, is really kind of there to help the client uh, kind of build their brain capacity, right? So, yeah. so, so as, as then they're building that brain capacity, what we really focus on is emotional awareness, which is that second step, is really changing that mindset and through emotional awareness. And in the course, it's a three-day training. Um, and of course, we, we do a lot on emotional intelligence in terms of understanding the emotions, how, how they drive our behaviors and all of that kind of stuff, and how to have the right type of conversations with our clients in terms of linking that to the behaviors that they exhibit on a daily basis. And then that, and of course, in that third step then is, is helping them applying that on a daily basis and that's all conversational and that's that's a coaching methodology um, and I, I use a lot of it is is really based on autonomy so in terms of getting the client to tell us what they want to do and how they want to do it and we become more of a, a project manager of, of what they want to do and how they want to do it because the truth is you know to us it really doesn't matter what they want to improve on if they pick one thing they want to improve on so for example in your case um, you know where we, we can look at your your report right that's come out of your assessment well, i'm actually, not too I, happy about this I, report right now i'm like <laughs> i, I <laughs> i'm actually, looking at the screen actually, going oh man this is oh, bad news God. Exactly, and and so so we we can we can see a couple of things here. So yeah, so go um, ahead and just tell us what uh, what we have on the screen here. I want everybody yeah, to know. Yeah. No, so so we did the cognitive testing, and um, so your age is 27, yep. um, and and you scored on this brain age uh, was was 65. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I'm doomed. And so yeah, so no, it's 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 actually it's it's not it's not bad at all. Um, the, the only thing is, is like you mentioned, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, kind of, kind of your, your, um, 
kind of the sleep and the lifestyle and the, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the situation that you're in right now. You're not exercising at this moment in time. Uh, you know, um, you're, you, you know, you score really well in terms of your nutrition, which is great. Uh, you know, your cardiovascular fitness, even though you said you were eating a lot of these things, you know, you, and in the questionnaire, of course, you assess yourself, right? So, so that's the beauty of it. I mean, this is really just a self-assessment. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, you you know, you you're definitely struggling a little bit with your sleep. That that came out of it. So, so just kind of for the listeners, I guess there are there are ten areas where we where we give each each area a score from one to ten. So, being cognitive capacity, of course, based on the cognitive testing, mental function, mental wellness, cardiovascular fitness. Uh, this is uh, what's really interesting about this is it took forever um, is we can actually pretty accurately assess vo2 max from a questionnaire which okay. is which is kind of cool right so cool. uh yeah so so cardiovascular fitness your course nutrition the amount of physical exercise that you're getting so in terms of and we look at it in terms of high intensity exercise moderate intensity and low intensity mm-hmm. so we differentiate between there your physical fitness your your basically your physical physical capabilities um, your shape is in terms of how do you feel about yourself and how do you comfortable do you feel in your skin right you know what's your BMI combined with you know how do you see yourself and all of these kind of things uh, sleep of course is a self-assessment in terms of hey, you know I this is how much sleep I get and you rank rank these these sleep questions um, and then of course in your life satisfaction in terms of your happiness um, the great thing is you scored really high on your happiness which is which is fantastic and you know the, the most important thing um, and so out of that actually comes a capacity score so you'll actually see at the bottom of your page next to knowing your brain that your brain age was 65 that came out of it your headstrong performance score was 58 and that's kind of a representation of your cognitive capacity. Okay. So we've been we've been able to kind of quantify that cognitive capacity based on those ten areas, and so it's a score out of a hundred because there are ten areas that are scored to ten, right? And um, and so out of those ten areas, you you score fifty eight, which is which is okay. It's you know it's kind of kind of average ish. Yeah, uh, but average. if you it's if, killing if me you this want... today, this week. <laughs> I yeah, took I you... took a. Angela Duckworth's grit grit test. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with her. She has a book out there called Grit, and I was mm-hmm. in the 50th percentile. And then this just showing okay. me that I'm in the 50th percentile. Also, <laughs> like, this is driving me nuts. I'm like, I, I thought I was much better than this. Well, because you're an all or nothing guy, right? You okay. know, so you're like, man, I'm 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 either a hundred or I'm zero. Yeah. You know, and screw 50, man. Like, who needs 50? I hate right? it. I mean, I'm like, kinda... how do I get to 100 right now, Marcel? That's what I want to know. Well, well, exactly. And so, so this then becomes the premise of your coaching. So if you then look at the scores on your headstrong performance assessment, you know, there are areas in here that you say, listen, this is probably what I want to improve, mm-hmm. right? This is, pre- this is probably an area that I say, hey, I want to really work on this. And, um, and so I, I always say anything below a five, you know, is, is something that you probably want to have a look at. So, okay. uh, so in this case, actually, to be honest, I think, um, I think mental function is because well, you scored four in a mental function and mental function was the questionnaire where, where you asked about like, you know, do you, do you remember where your keys are? Do yeah. you have like, kind of like, you know, and so, so you ranked yourself, um, and this was again a questionnaire about yourself. You kind of ranked that as this is an area where you might be struggling. So, so based on this, you might kind of say, "Hey, this is this might be something that that 
I want to focus on improving. And of course, in terms of training cognitive capacity, in terms of actually training your brain, doing brain training and things like that might also be, you know, something that you'd want to look at in this case. That would help um, with mental from, function. That would help with the mental function. That would also cross over. Uh, even though you're, you're a mental, what you rank yourself quite well in terms of mental wellness, in terms of mental wellness is okay. really stress, yeah. stress, anxiety, depression, kind of, kind of those kind of things. And you actually rank yourself really well in there, which is great. Um, but it's just from a mental function standpoint, things are just not quite working for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's probably kind of one of those areas. And what you'll find is that um, and this might be sleep related as well, right? You know, so something that you might say to yourself is, hey, listen, I'm going to start, I'm going to work on just getting more sleep, right? You know, and, and, uh, and focusing on something like that and something simple. And what that, what that's going to do is then raise your score. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, high performers, I've, I have never, ever, um, you know, kind of encountered anybody who had a score of a hundred, right? You know, so, um, but you know, you might, you might be able to bring it up to a score of, of, you know, 80 or 85, you know, I've seen 90, but yeah. it's very rare, you know, but if you, I'm if going for 90 the, now, Marcel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. but if you, if you want to, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, then then what we would do from a coaching perspective is really kind of sit down and go, OK, so so what are those things that you want to improve on and and what will that look like? What will that journey look like for you? Right. And what are what are some of the roadblocks? What are some of the things that are that might potentially get in the way of this and how are you going to manage that? OK. Right. You know, so that's and that's really what what this assessment does. And I, so I sent this to you. It's a 22 page you know, full assessment, everything's oh, cool. fully, fully explained. So you'll, so you'll see how, how everything's laid out for you. Um, you know, it, it starts off with your cognitive testing descriptions on how you scored and where you scored, um, you know, your life satisfaction, how you scored yourself. Um, of course, your mental wellness. Uh, again, you scored yourself a 93, which is fantastic out of 100. Um, your, your, you know, mental, mental function, that was, you know, that's, you're struggling a little bit there. So, uh, so that's probably something we want to look at. Uh, in terms of sleep, um, you actually ranked yourself quite well. It's like, you know, kind of like in a, in a moderate insomnia range. Um, you know, it's not as bad. It's not extreme insomnia, um, you know, but, but probably something that you want to just kind of work on, on um, you know, fixing. Um, let me see. You have... Uh, Are there suggestions on here on how to fix... Um, like insomnia or some of these to improve some of these scores. That's 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 more a coaching journey. Okay. Uh, because because for every single person that's different. Yeah. For for example, insomnia in itself is such a big discussion. And what we really wanted to do is from coaches is we just want to kind of you know develop that awareness and for the clients say okay you know I want to fix that and we can we can talk about you know kind of the habits that they have before going to bed and what you know what is their life you know kind of looking at when they when they have these pre sleep rituals and all of these kind of things and how can we set up the bedroom you know kind of help them set up their bedroom that's 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 you know kind of designed for sleep and not for you know so many other different activities like watching TV and doing all of these mm. kind of things and you know Absolutely. and so we can help we can help with those conversations, uh, but for every single person um, who suffers from insomnia, it can be something completely different. And so we have the conversation. Okay. If if we, of course, feel like, hey, this might be clinical, it might be psychiatric, it might be, you know, um, something that is, that, you know, if, if, if the person is doing everything right, right, you know, and they're like, you know, and I'm still not sleeping, 
then it's probably time to refer them to a specialist. Okay. Right. You know, and so and so that's kind of really what this is. This is about is to say, you know, what this is probably beyond my scope of of, of specialty. Yeah. You know, one one of you go to a sleep specialist or talk to somebody who is who is a professional. Uh, but th- what this does is it kind of it just it just you know it exposes it, and um, and then kind of just helps us kind of be able to ask the right questions towards it. Uh, you did, you actually scored yourself really well on your nutrition. Um, you know, um, alcohol smoking and stuff you don't do, which is great. Yep. Uh, you know, yeah, yes, you, you know, no exercise. If, if you were, if this was, if, if you did this a week or two from now when you were exercising, that score would have already been very different. So you probably would have scored 10 points higher, right? So, so you would already have been in the sixties, Right, just by you're very encouraging with your coaching, Marcel. I'm looking at these. I'm like, man, you suck. You suck. You're awful. You're just feeling like, you know, you can improve it. You know, you're here. Yeah, it can can improve. And it's and it's good to create a reality of where you're at. But at the same time, we also want to have a conversation as coaches, right? If somebody is judging themselves that way and they're saying, man, it's like, oh my God, these scores suck. That's a good conversation to have because very often. You know, you're going to find that you probably judge yourself this way in many aspects of your life, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not going to that's not going to make you any happier. Right. You know, so no. what we want to do is we're going to give you something constructive that you can work with and a number that we can say, hey, this is this is how, you know, I'm um, I'm scoring myself, you know, so, uh, you know, um, BMI and stuff is all fine. Cardiovascular fitness is great. So, yeah. So so you're so so actually your VO2 max is 70 milliliters per kilogram per minute which which is you're a fit guy mm-hmm. you know so uh so that's actually uh, out of that questionnaire um you, and the reason of course is you have a very low resting heart rate of 36 per minute you know so um so that that drives your vo2 max significantly uh of course blood pressure is normal all of this kind of stuff affects cognitive function and that's why we look at it your fitness levels but yeah you so you have the whole report you should have received it by email as well um and uh, and so it's it's a good twenty. Then at the end it finishes with some some ways in terms of how to overcome these uh, these challenges. And it's a t- it basically it's a twenty three page report that that um, allows you to be able to find out more about yourself. Yeah. You know, and it gives you something really constructive to work on. And that's what makes me excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, I look at that so and I'm going, it? all right, time to make a change. I got to improve this. I can't have a a brain age of sixty five right now. Yeah, fantastic. And you know what? And 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 we at, at the end of the day, right? We all need some form of you know sense of purpose, right? You know, uh, a, a sense of purpose, especially in our fitness, especially for guys like us, right? Who who already work out religiously and take care of ourselves. It can be really difficult for us to say what is it? What is it that's going to help me take myself to the next level? You know, and and it's and it's quite easy actually for us to kind of become a little bit complacent in our own training, mm-hmm. right? You know, as we kind of we we end up just kind of doing this. We, we, we do what know what kind of works and we, we just do that religiously and um, but sometimes just having that awareness and this can kind of push us to that next level where we kind of say all right I need to I need to actually I've been a little complacent I need to step up a little bit here I need to do and stepping up doesn't mean doing things harder it just means we might need to start doing things a little differently yeah. you know maybe we do need to start including some yoga in here maybe we do need to start you know um doing some more of the brain training and you know cognitive training and stuff like that together with the physical exercise and all of that kind of stuff so um and that can that can take you to the next level yeah and i've become complacent in my mindset i mean the all or nothing mindset i feel if you you stay in there you become complacent because 
if I'm not willing to accept that I can do a 20 minute workout or a six minute workout, then I'm, my brain is not going to grow. I'm not going to be able to perform optimally. And if I stay in that, that frame of mind that, you know, I, I either do an hour and a half workout or I don't, then I'm going to suffer in some way with my cognitive performance, cognitive performance or you know, my, my mental health. Well, especially, you know, think about this. I mean, you're a dad, right? So, you know, as as your daughter grows up, right, the the, the time commitments that you're going to be dedicating to her life and to your wife's and your career, right, is you're, you're not going to have those opportunities for the rest of your life to say, man, I'm working out for an hour and a half and I'm doing, you know, this and that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that, you know, that, that might be a reality. And so, so learning, learning this skill early, Right. Wow. Might might be able to help you later on down the line when you're driving her to ballet lessons and, you know, yeah. and all of these kind of things uh, as as it will happen as she grows up. And I really hope that you do take that time to do that, because watching your daughter grow up that way is one of the most phenomenal things that, you know, one of the greatest gifts we can we can ever experience. So so we can do it all. We can we can exercise. We can take care of ourselves and we can be the parents that we want to be and we can have a great career. You know, it's just a matter of of, you know, balancing things out. And, and it might be, you know, in your lifestyle that, you know, that focusing heavily on that time commitment, you know, of your exercise might not you know, might actually be robbing you of some other areas of development that you might be might be wanting to focus on on being that whole person uh-huh right so so that's you know something to think about yeah no definitely i even just lost my train of thought um that's Sorry, probably because my old age my old brain age <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. but it really makes me think that i mean i think you you really touched the nerve here when you said um the time commitments as I watch my, my daughter and I have a six year old son, he's about to turn six. As I watch them grow in my, you know, I think, okay, I've got all this time to myself. I need to have an hour and a half workout, but now I'm going, you're right. You know, I need to, I need to, you know, be mindful of how my time is going to be spread amongst, you know, my kids. And, you know, I won't have time for those hour and a half workouts. I need to understand that it's okay to work out for 20 minutes, get a good high intensity workout or to just try to fit what I can in and be okay with that. Because yeah. for me, that was the problem is I go like, no, I'm not okay with it. I need to be, I need to be, you know, deadlifting a ton, pressing a ton. Oh. I need to be able I need to get a hardcore sweat on, but you know, and I've been doing a little bit of this where I do, you know, 20 minute workouts here and there are 10 minute workouts. And after I go, that was actually pretty good. It was better than yeah. not working out. And I, exactly. you know, I feel much better after that too. So I appreciate exactly. you telling me that. Yeah. No, well, actually I, I, the beauty is I didn't really necessarily tell you, you actually told yourself that, which is, which is way better, right? <laughs> because you're, you're coming, you're coming to the conclusion that you're, that, that, Hey, these are, these are things that, that uh, uh, you know, um, that, that you really, you know, might want to look at in terms mm -hmm. of making your life more whole. Right. And this is really kind of what we're looking at is, is, is a holistic approach to to being feeling feeling successful in life. And um, and and sometimes we can overdo it in one area, you know, and therefore robbing ourselves from being able to do better in other areas. Right. You know, so it's about balance. Right. So, so and we and we are that balance. We, we set the scale for that balance. And we just have to have to understand how to do it and, and why. And yeah, and that that could be a coaching process. Yeah, and, and Marcel, I got to say that this, uh, the Headstrong Performance Assessment, this seems completely empowering for both the personal trainer and the client. Um, you know, I've had clients come in where 
you know, they recognize that they have some, some flaws that they need to address. And maybe I, I push them a little bit too far and then they stop showing up. And mm-hmm. I, I often look back and, you know, there's one client in particular that I'm thinking of where she came in, she was very timid. She goes, no, I tend to quit things very quickly. And if I had mm-hmm. been equipped with the knowledge of this headstrong performance assessment and we went through the assessment together and I could see where are the gaps that she's missing and that we can, you know, coach her through to fill, she'd probably be, you know, with me still instead of yeah. dropping off. Like, we you know, so many of us have, you know, those cases where clients drop off because, you know, maybe it was we overdid it. We didn't push them enough. We didn't look at the, the individual as a whole and what they what they really needed or what they were trying to tell us that they needed. Yeah. And very often it's what they're not saying. Right. You know, and uh, and I, I call that the highest level of listening. Right. Is is when we when we're coaching our clients, we, we need to be able to learn to listen to what the client's not saying, not necessarily what they're saying. And uh, and we need to find out what you know that and that is the emotional awareness component. You know, what are what are the emotions? What are the feelings that are driving this dialogue of what people are actually saying, not not just to us, but also to themselves? How are they speaking in terms of their body language and their behaviors and all of this kind of stuff? And what you know, what is it? What is it really that's driving this person? And um, and the only way we can do that is really by helping them understand. Um, their own thoughts and their own feelings and, you know, kind of having conversations about, you know, what, what, you know, just asking really honest questions about what's driving this, you know, thought and what's driving this pattern and, you know, mm-hmm. where does it come from, you know, and, and asking simple questions like that, we can, we can get a lot out of people. People sit back and go, hey, I never really thought about that, you know, asking yeah. the question why, you know, is, is, um, can be very powerful. Sometimes it can also be extremely confrontational, you know, and, uh, and I think, I think when we come from a place of compassion and understanding rather than from a place of judgment and drive and, and especially where, um, you know, we, I, I think one of the, um, one of the errors in this industry is that we, we tend to still be a little too authoritative mm-hmm. in the way that we approach our expertise. Um, you know, we, we, because we are the experts, it doesn't mean that we have to behave like es- experts and we exert ourselves as experts all the time. Sometimes it's more about learning to actually take a step back and, 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 and helping the client become an expert of themselves, you know, rather than us being an expert of fitness and then exerting that, that, you know, kind of forcing that expertise on them. But, and that might not necessarily be something that they need to help them move forward. And that's where I think we lose a lot of clients. And if you look out, you know, you still look at attrition rates in terms of personal training and things like that. Those numbers are still excessively high. And huge. I think one of the reasons is, is yeah, it's huge. And, and, uh, um, and I think one of the reasons is, is because we're, we're not training ourselves as professionals per se um, to, to, to help our clients become better versions of themselves. We really want them to become the better versions that we want to see, yeah. you know, and, uh, and so they often end up more on our agenda, uh, you know, rather than us on theirs. And, uh, you know, and we should, we should be facilitators more so than, than kind of, you know, authoritative drivers, you know, saying, this is what you need. This is how you have to do this. is You know, all of this kind of stuff, um, you know, because we think so, it doesn't necessarily mean that they think so. And at the end of the day, they are the ones who are paying the bills and, and are <laughs> deciding and deciding to come. Right. You know, so, so I think there needs to be a uh, room for a better dialogue there. And, and that's really what this does. It, it, it opens up the, the dialogue for us because it helps us really talk to the client about the client and about what the client wants. Where do they 
want to go and how can we assist them? How can we help them become better versions of themselves rather than rather than them being on our terms and kind of saying, hey, listen, you're in my domain now. This is how you're going to do things. This is what it's going to look like. And it's my way or the highway type approach. Uh, you know, success rates tend to be extremely low when we look at that approach. It only works with highly purposeful people, uh, you know, or with athletes or people like that. But it really doesn't work with the average average person who, unfortunately for us, doesn't think that fitness is that important. Uh, you know, they have much more important things in life to worry about, like their kids and their families and their jobs and their, you know, those things are way more important than, than you know, and we, of course, think fitness is the most important thing in the world and they just disagree with us for many reasons and and what we need to do is we need to tap in what they find important and we need to help them understand how they can use fitness to raise that importance level and be more effective in those parts of the lives that they find important for themselves whatever whatever those areas are it doesn't matter but we can use fitness to help them do that and that's the beauty of this system it becomes a more facilitative process um, and it becomes you know kind of uh, more self-directed from the client. The client owns a lot of this themselves. It's where they want to go. We're, we're on their schedule and not the other way around. And I, and I think that's what really drives the success rate of this. Yeah, absolutely. It's to, uh, you know, it's to positively or proactively, I should say, influence their lives and not to impose our expectations onto them. Uh, Marce- exactly. Yeah, Marcel, really quickly, uh, just a, a couple things to wrap up. When will uh-huh. the Headstrong Performance Assessment be available to others? Um, you said there's a certification coming out. When is that available? When can Good, we expect to great. change the world? Great questions. So here's <laughs> the thing. Um, you were actually the absolute first person that did this online assessment. Wow, I'm honored. Uh, so uh, congratulations for that. Yeah, I mean, we are literally at the final stages of actually building this. There's still a couple of minor things, but I'm expecting it to go live by the end of this week. Okay. Uh, latest by Monday. So it is, it is there. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be up and running in the next couple of days, which is brilliant. Um, the Headstrong certification, we're running our first one in Taiwan, uh, actually next week, starting on Monday. This is going to be the first group of certified licensed Headstrong performance coaches. Wow. It's a, it is a three-day certification. In Taiwan, we run it as a five-day because of language issues and things like okay. that. But generally speaking, it's 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 three days. Um, and the way to be able to sign up for it uh, is if we're going to run this in, in the U.S., we, we're going to need an audience that wants to take the course. That's going to be uh, the most important thing. So if you're listening out there and you're interested in taking the course, um, we, we need some people that want to want to take it in order for me to be able to fly over and uh, and actually run it, which I'd be more than happy doing. I'll actually be in uh, the U.S. end of October. Uh, so, you know, we could actually um, organize one pretty quickly. Uh, and then after that, you're, you're after those three days, you go through a certification process where you get a number of um, you have to actually test yourself on a, on a number of clients uh, and test out the system, test out the coaching, and you actually get assessed based on application, not necessarily just on knowledge. So um, it's a it's a great certification. It's very practical. Uh, you don't you don't have to be a neuroscientist to be able to apply this. You just have to be caring. You know, when you care about your clients and you really you want to make an impact on their lives positively, you're going to have a great time with this uh, with this assessment. So yeah, it'll be coming coming up pretty pretty shortly. So I'm stoked. I'm excited because uh, this is this is going to be a game changer. 
Yeah, I'm excited too, Marcel. And if you were to bring it out to the States, how long would the certification take? Uh, well, it's 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 basically it's three days, okay. and after that you after that you have to uh, you have to run it with uh, two clients, mm -hmm. and so you have to take take clients through the assessment. You have to coach them through it, and you have to give us a report on how you're actually applying that and what you're doing, what you're learning, right, and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, and so so that becomes in your so how long it takes you to actually do those two. I mean, you could be done in a week, you can be done in you know a month. That's really really up to you. Gotcha. Yeah. Excellent, Marcel. Yeah. I appreciate your time. Where can people find you? Where can I uh, let others know about the Headstrong Performance? Uh, great question. Uh, you Google Headstrong Performance, you're going to find me, uh, but it's uh, headstrongperformance.net is the website. Uh, the the coaching link or the certification link is actually going up like today, so uh, so you'll you'll be able to find more information on that as well. Uh, the um, otherwise find me on Facebook, Marcel Dana, uh, and uh, LinkedIn, and uh, you name it, I'm I'm everywhere. So easy to find. Fantastic. Well, Marcel, I appreciate the time. Um, thank you so much for taking me through the assessment. I definitely have a lot of things I need to work on. Fantastic. And you know what? That's, that's a great thing about it. And if you, if you need my assistance or whatever, you know where I am. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. That's it for this week's episode of the Principles of Fitness podcast, everyone. I want to give Marcel special thanks for being with us on the show today. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, leave a comment on iTunes. And here's a sneak peek of next week's episode with one of the pioneers of the fitness industry, Neil Spruce. If, I, if I'm telling you the same things today that I told you five years ago, never listen to me again. Because that's how fast science is evolving, especially on the nutrition side. Correct. It's changing. If you don't keep up, if you don't evolve, you become insignificant. To hear more from some of the best that the industry has to offer, please hit the subscribe button and stay tuned for the next episode of The Principles of Fitness.